This morning we're going to talk about what's in the water. Last week we talked about Jesus uh, saying, if you come to me and drink out of your belly, your innermost being, your bowels will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit who had not been given yet. Now Jesus said that on the day of on the day of the feast of tabernacles. It's a day when you know a lot of Israelites went to Jerusalem and it would be kind of like going camping in the middle of the city. They put up these booths, they put up these temporary shelters and they would they would come together and it would be a reminder of what God brought the children of Israel out of. And I want you to hear this from the time that they spent 40 years in tents in the desert to when they were allowed to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And in the promised land, of course, there were battles, but they had a place to live and a place to stay, a place to inhabit, a place to call home. And for 430 years plus 40, 470 years, the Israelites didn't have a home. And so that's what the, the, the feast of, or the, the gathering of the tabernacles was all about. That festival was coming together and say, look what God did. He brought us from a place where we were wandering to a place where we have a home. And, and that reminder would help people with the concept and the idea when they were struggling and they didn't feel like they were in the promised land. That God, if you're patient, God is, God is faithful and he'll bring you across the Jordan and into the promised land. But in John chapter 4, verse 14, three chapters before Jesus was at this feast in Jerusalem, he, he's... He, he does something that's really interesting. He goes to a Samaritan village. He's on the outskirts of it. And so, you know, back then there were a whole bunch of Jewish Aryans. I know that sounds crazy, but they hated Samaritans because they weren't pure blood Jews. And Jesus went to Samaria and he met this woman at the well. And if you study this out, you're going to find something that is simply amazing. The first person that Jesus revealed himself to as the Christ, as the Messiah, was first a Samaritan and secondly, a woman of low reputation. That tells you something about the heart of God. He could, have, he could have gone to the synagogues and revealed who he was. He could have gone to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and revealed who he was. But he chose to go to Samaria and to minister to a woman who had a questionable background who was rejected by her peers. So much so, she was out in the middle of the day in the heat to get water because all the other women came out in the morning and the evening when it was cool. She came out in the middle of the day to avoid the persecution, but Jesus came and he said to her, give me a drink of water. And, and, and she said, um, she said, you don't have anything to draw from. He said, if you knew who was asking you, because he was going to tell her who he was, you would ask me for a drink of water. And if you drank the water that I'm going to give, you're never going to be thirsty again. He said, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. No, no, stay with me. He said, if you drink this water, you're never going to be thirsty again. Was he talking about a natural thirst? No. He was talking about a spiritual thirst. He was talking about a dryness on the inside of her and inside of humanity, a dryness that could only be watered by the Holy Spirit himself. He was talking about what would eventually become a river of living water, but before this, 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 this receiving of the Holy Spirit could become a river of living water, it had to become a source of water 
water. It had to become a bubbling fount. In the King James, it says, you know, it would become a fountain within you. You know, there's that old song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the blind to, to uh, cause the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole, whole, whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me this life abundantly. That's the message right there. That's it. This, this drink that Jesus was talking about was for, for a drink of the Holy Spirit that would cause her spirit to no longer have cracks and holes and, 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 and places where it would leak out this very presence and power of God and that it would begin to fill within her with the life and the nature of God so that it would, it would he said it this way, that it would become a fresh bubbling spring. Many years ago, before I entered in the ministry, I had a 40-acre piece of land with a five-acre pond behind it. And that, I mean, it was like from here to that back wall. And when I wanted to go fishing, I would fish. When I wanted to just sit in the water, I would sit in the water. I mean, it was, it was nice, but I don't know why. When you get your own place like that, you don't fish as much as you would like to because you're always taking care of it. But that pond never, ever ran dry. You know why? Because on the on the West end in the center of that pond was a spring. Now I didn't see the spring, but you could see you could see the water coming in underneath the, the top of the water. You could see uh, when it rained that that spring would actually increase in velocity. There was something uh, underneath that pond that was bubbling up and it filled the pond constantly, not just natural drain off from a rain, but a spring that was flowing into it. And it kept that five acre pond full. If it weren't for the emergency overflow, it would have been overflown many, many times. And Jesus was saying, that's what's going to happen to you. See, you're going to have something. I want you to catch this because our picture needs to change. When we pray for our needs, what we usually are praying for visually is we're, we're seeing something coming from the outside coming upon us. We see something coming from the outside to increase us. We see something coming from the outside with whatever it is that we think that we have need of. But Jesus said, no, that need is going to be satisfied and you'll never thirst again. You're never going to have to go to another well. You're never going to have to go to another source because the source is going to be in you it's going to come up from within you now you know what's underground what is unseen of course is the flow of the Holy Spirit that's coming from heaven through Jesus to his body which is you and me but the, what the thing is, is it's coming up in you If we can get a picture of the Holy Spirit bubbling up within us, guess what? Our prayers will change. We won't be looking for something that we don't have. We'll realize that we already do have it, and we just need to see an, an increase. There's something maybe restricting the flow. There's something maybe that's blocking the flow. Maybe it's just simply our unbelief. Maybe it's not, or that we don't understand. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed that we would be able to understand this power that is within us. Do you understand? We're praying for energy. We're praying for strength. We're praying for power. We're praying for miracles and the miracle is inside of us. Now it may just be trickling right now, but Jesus said that would be a process. It would become a fresh bubbling spring giving them eternal life. Never thirsting for that life and that presence of God again. Never having to go to another well. Never having, listen, please hear me. We, we come to service to be equipped and edified. That's the plan that Jesus put in place. That you're not going to grow and mature in the Lord without a local church because God gave us certain gifts to equip us and edify us. But, but you won't have to come here to drink, but you can come here to increase the flow. 
See, because the fount isn't coming from the pulpit. The fount is coming from you. Because the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't you know, Paul said, that the Holy Spirit lives in you and they are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That is the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is that you no longer have to go to a priest and a prophet to get the anointing. The anointing is in you, but you may need some help understanding how to flow in the anointing. You may need some help understanding how to increase the anointing. You may need some help in how to utilize the anointing. That's good stuff right there. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, the apostle Paul prayed, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish more than we can ask or think. This is according to his power that is working within us, not the power that's coming upon us. Now, so you don't think I'm doctrinally incorrect. There is an anointing that is abides within us, and there's an anointing that comes upon you. And I like it when you've got the anointing on the inside flowing and the anointing on the outside. It's kind of like that, that death by chocolate that we get at a certain restaurant. You know, every single bite that you get is full of chocolate. There's chocolate on the inside because it's chocolate cake made with chocolate chips, and it's got chocolate, it's got chocolate frosting, and then it's got it's got deep fudge chocolate hot stuff on the top of it. So you take a bite, you got chocolate on the inside. You got chocolate on the outside, you got chocolate everywhere. And when the anointing comes upon you and the anointing is flowing through you, man, you're like that death by chocolate. No matter what people bite, no matter what people touch, I mean, it is, it, it is the Holy Ghost. It's chocolate everywhere. But the source, the source in this natural world is not an anointing that comes upon. The anointing that it comes upon is like training wheels on a bicycle so you could ride something, you could do something that you don't have the experience or know-how to do. The anointing is with in you and that is the process that God tells us Christians that we are to live by. Sometimes we get off doctrinally and we say, well, I've got everything in Christ Jesus. Everything is mine already. I don't need anything else. Um, Sweetie, you don't have a new body yet. You haven't received the adoption of your body, which is the resurrection. And because of that, your body's weak, but it needs life. It needs eternal life. It needs that fresh water. And that comes up from the inside of you, and it works from the inside out. That's called the process. We receive miracles from the outside in, but the process of healing, the process of maturity, the process of strength comes by, by the Holy Spirit that is working within us, not from the outside in, from the inside out, not from the outside in but from the inside out because Jesus has made a way that is bubbling up within you the problem is a lot of us have a little gurgle and a little bubble and that's about it I remember uh, this show called Beverly Hillbillies the Beverly Hillbillies now that, that what was her what was that gal's name Mary the gal who played what was her name Ellie May Ellie May was a Christian she's preached here I guess several times she, she has preached here. I don't know why I said that, but she did. Anyway, in the beginning of that, they say how the, how the Beverly Hillbillies got rich. Uh, Jed was hunting, and he shot, shot in the ground, and see, there was this, this stream underneath him, a stream of oil. It, it, it wasn't bubbling up yet, but he pierced that hole with his bullet because he missed the rabbit. And, and you know what happened is it started bubbling up. And, and, and that's where it stops. But you know what they did? They created an atmosphere around it that they could harvest all that oil, and then they became very wealthy. The problem with us is a lot of us have it bubbling up, but we don't create the process or the atmosphere around it so that it becomes something that is useful not only to ourselves, but to other people. Can I get an amen in the house? See, inside of you, if you're born again, it is the Holy Spirit, and he, is, he wants to bubble. He, he, wants, he wants to be, become something. He wants to become a, a fountain on the inside. 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So many times we think the blessing given to Abraham was prosperity and health and favor. That's included in it, but the promise given to Abraham was the blessing that we would receive the Holy Spirit. Not that we had to go to Jerusalem to get the Holy Spirit. And then we'd run out and have to go back. Not that we'd, we'd go to the well. You know, like tonight, we're going to a well. And we're going to drink. But, but, but you know what? If we run out on Wednesday, we've got something on the inside that will begin to bubble up as we draw upon the Holy Spirit. Everybody say draw. But when we draw, we have to have an outlet. Remember last week we talked about that? If we don't have an outlet, the draw won't be very strong. If, if we don't have a draw or a vacuum, something is sucking, pulling on the Holy Spirit within us, it's not going to be much of a flow. And, and the vacuum and the draw is supposed to be the needs of others. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. That's the gospel. That's the good news. How, you know, yes, we've made the gospel about how we get to this point. How, how we get to this point is Jesus died on the cross for us so he could forgive us of our sins, so that he could legally, ethically, and morally remake our spirit, that he could put his spirit inside of you, and it could begin to bubble up so that rivers of living water will flow out of you into the lives of others. And as it does that, guess what happens? It quickens your mortal flesh, Romans chapter 8, 21. It quickens, it gives life to your flesh because your flesh is weak. And you don't have a redeemed body yet. In other words, you don't have the, the adoption of your body. Your body isn't glorified yet. That doesn't happen until Jesus comes back. And when we see him as he is, we'll be changed and we'll be like him. That's what we're waiting for, for the immortality that is in us to swallow up the, 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 the mortality that exists in our flesh, that weakness. So we have to live by this process. And the process is living by God's power. God's power isn't, isn't some place that you go in and you plug into to charge up and then you go live now, God's power is in you because you're, you're, you are a power source I didn't say you are the power source he is we plug into Jesus and Jesus flows through us and is supposed to flow out of us and what happens if he doesn't flow out of us we have no outlet. Remember the Sea of Galilee is a type and a shadow of Jesus himself because that's where he based his ministry out of. That's where most of his miracles happened, right in there. And that Sea of Galilee came down through the Jordan River, the Valley of Jordan, and it flowed into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea no longer had an outlet. And when it didn't have an outlet, then what happened is that water would evaporate. It had nowhere to go, and it would leave the salt behind, and it became so salty that nothing could live in in the Dead Sea besides just a couple uh, kind of really uh, high-bred uh, morphed algae can live in there. It's 37% salt. But the Jordan is alive, and that's the source of the water. Huh? Sea of Galilee is alive. That was a source of, of economic prosperity and life. And along the, the banks of the Jordan, there was life. All along the banks of it. But there's no life around the Dead Sea. Therefore, guess what? You don't have a lot of cities around the Dead Sea, a lot of towns around the Dead Sea. It becomes a wasteland. But, but what's the deal? It's got the same, they got the same water. The water up there is moving. It, it, it's living. 
because it is a source for the Sea of Galilee. And the water has an outlet, the Jordan and some other tributaries. And, and as it comes out, that water is still, it becomes more and more alive, more and more vibrant. And everything that touches that living water, it thrives because we're not just supposed to survive cathedral family. We are supposed to thrive in Christ. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but until we embrace the process of God raising us up consistently and continually on the inside by this, this brook, this bubbling thing that becomes a fountain, and we let it go. The river of life is a lot like oil. The Bible says when you try to, you try to restrain something that can't be restrained, it's like squeezing oil with your hand. You, you, can't, you can't hold on to the living water. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Zechariah chapter 4 is talking about the gospel. Verse 6, he says, it's not by force, it's not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And by my spirit doesn't have to be spooky. By, by my spirit, it just has to be, i got something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a joy in my life. I've got God on the inside that's strengthening me. And even though I'm getting hit hard on the outside over and over again, I keep bouncing back because of what's in me. Keeps getting replenished and I'm letting it go. And as I let it go into the lives of other people like I'm doing right now, like I do throughout the week and when I'm praying for people or sharing the love of God with them, then the life of God flows through me and strengthens me. It's a byproduct of being a river of living water for God. It's not the goal, it's a byproduct. Isn't that good? Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm praying for something, but I got mighty power inside of me. If it feels dead and stagnant, it might be because I don't have a source to let it go. I don't have an outflow. I'm not utilizing. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not operating within the intent and purpose of God for this Jesus. Jesus said that in John chapter 7. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, God has not given you and me a spirit of fear and timidity. Well, what has he given us? He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. So please, stop trying to love people by an act of your will alone. Please st stop trying to, to live a life of discipline by your power or the act of your will or a decision that you make alone. You have to make the decision but there's something on the inside of you that will allow you to love like God loves. There's something on the inside of you that will allow you to discipline yourself the, the way that Jesus did. There's something on the inside of you that will release the same power that you, the Apostle Paul and, and Peter and, and Timothy and Jesus and Elijah and Elisha utilize. They, they, they release the power of God into the lives of others. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. This is something that Pastor needs, and I pray for you guys every single day. Cathedral family, we pray for you every single day that, that, that you will be strengthened with all of God's glorious power so that you will have the endurance that you need and the patience that you need, and that will result that you may be filled with joy. inside out Lord, Lord let that let that let that brook bubble up to the point that it's flowing out of them in such a great measure that they have this supernatural endurance and patience and joy isn't just a decision it's literally a place of contentment that your power is flowing out of in Ephesians 1 we pray this one too we also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power in one translation says that it's in us who believe 
This is the same mighty power that Christ, that Christ was raised from the dead and seated at, at the place of honor at the right hand of God in the majesty of heaven and heavenly realms. What's in you? It's so big. Its capacity is so big. He is so big in you. His ability is so big in you. His faith, his love is so big in you that you cannot wrap your mind around it. It takes spiritual strength, we read in the word of God, to begin to understand this power that is in you. So stop trying to wrap your head around it and wrap your spirit around it. Begin to think out of your spirit, not necessarily your mind. Once you, once you think out of your spirit, revelation will come and that illumination will come up in your heart and begin to allow you to think differently in your head head you can't change revelation by trying to think it through oh, well that's extra what is in the water when, when I was a when I was a kid there was a movie that came out uh, many many years before and I had watched it and it was called Jaws and, and I don't know if anybody ever saw, Jaws was one of the first, like, you know, scare the behebas out of you. And, and what it was is this, this, this huge shark that just ate everything, including boats. And, and it began where a guy was swimming with a bunch of people. They were having fun. And then so he was, whatever it was. And the shark came up and ate him. And ate many, many other people. And I used to, in my high school years, when I wasn't living for the Lord, we would go out after we worked. I worked at Hy-Vee in Osceola. And we would go over to the Afton Sandpits. How many of you know where the Afton Sandpits are? Can I see two hands, three hands, four hands, five hands? Look at that. Praise the Lord. And, and they were deep. It was deep. And, and it, it was literally just an old sand pit. And oh, we had fun at that sand pit. Bonfires and, you know, we reveled and we did things we probably shouldn't have. But, but here's, here's what I want you to know. After I saw that movie, I didn't swim so good in the sand pits. Because we did it, you know, it was 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, we'd go out there. And, and I'd get swimming in that water here. You know, I'm thinking, oh, if I can't see what's down there, I don't know what's down there. And my imagination started, what's in the water started going crazy. And then this family that lived right next door to the sand pits, their boys came up. One night they said, you know, there's catfish in here big enough to swallow a man. <laughs> Everybody says, come on, let's go to the afternoon sand pits. Um, no, I, I got to get up early and go to school. <laughs> And I'd get out there in the middle of the night, and I'd hear that theme from Jaws in my head. And we had this place around New Virginia. It was called Loomis's Pond, and it wasn't nearly as deep. But guess what? You couldn't see the bottom of that water either. And I got in that water, I'd hear the theme to Jaws too, because I didn't know what was in the water. What's in the water that Jesus gives us to drink? Jesus said in John 7, 38, anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scripture says rivers of living water will flow out of his heart, out of his innermost being, out of his spirit. You know, you could say soul, spirit, soul, and body, out of his bowels. What, what's to flow out of him? Living water. And remember, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit who had not been given yet. What's the purpose of living water anymore? You think, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink any water that, that I know hasn't been chlor, put chlorine in it. When I was 17, I went to the Grand Tetons with a bunch of friends and a teacher, and we climbed the Tetons, and it was one of the hardest things that I ever did. But we had taken some little pills that you were supposed to put in your water 
And, and those pills were supposed to kill anything that was living so that, you know, you didn't have a, 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 a flow of living water coming out the wrong end. And one of the guys on the trip didn't use the pill. And he got so sick and so dehydrated, we almost had to carry him down the mountain. Because there was something living in that water that wasn't, it wasn't good for his body. It wasn't good for, for, his, for his spirit or his soul. You should have heard him. It was not good. But when Jesus said he would give us living water, what is, what is the purpose of the living water? Is to bring life where there is none. It's to bring the God quality of life to other people. Ezekiel 47, do you guys remember the Sea of Galilee, the River of Jordan, and the Dead Sea? This is something that God prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus walked on the earth. Ezekiel 47, chapter 1. In my vision, uh, this angel brought me back to the entrance of the temple. The, the prophet says, Ezekiel says, I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple, passing to the right of the altar out its south side. And in verse 2, there I could see the water flowing out through the south gate of the east, the south side of the east gate. Now, I, I want you to picture this. If we have a picture of that temple, you could put it up there. That'd be helpful. <laughs> but the Holy of Holies was on the west end of the temple. In other words, that's where the ark was. That's where the cherubim's wings touched. That's where the presence of God was right in the center of that. That was the judgment seat. And when Jesus put a drop of his own blood right there, it became the bema seat, the mercy seat, because the judgment had been satisfied. But that represented God's presence on the west side. And out of that holy of holies that nobody was allowed to go except for the high priest once a year, out of that holy of holies underneath the door, Check this out. God's spirit begins to flow out. And it's likened to or seen as a river. And it flows out of the, uh, the inner courts, out of the outer courts, out into the world. So, so, see, the presence of God was in a physical place. That's why they carried the tabernacle with them when the children of Israel moved. That's why David built a temple so the ark and the presence of God could be with them in Jerusalem. And this is what this temple is. It is a place where God's presence is, where you had to go to to get anointed. You had to go to 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 get forgiven you had to go to and God said no here's what's going to happen he's going to come out from that place the holy of holies which is in a type and a shadow of God through Jesus Christ and the spirit is flowing out to the south side into into there I could see the water flowing through the south side of the east gate and it flowed into the valley of the dead sea that's the Jordan and then the angel took this measuring rod. Measuring as he went in verse 3, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. And he led me uh, across. The water was up to his ankles. Not very deep. Took him out another 1,750 feet. The, wa the water was up to his knees. Okay, we all like that. And he took him out another 1,750 feet. Now it's up to his waist. Now this is moving water. If you've ever been fishing and you've got a snag in the river and you're going to get it out, you get up to your, your ankles, you're okay. You get up to your knees, you say, I better watch myself. I might step into a, a hole. But you get up to your waist, you're saying, this is getting more difficult. Hey, grab a hold of me. I want to go out a little bit deeper because if I go out too far, I'll lose my footing and I'll be gone because the river will take me. Then he says he went out another 1,750 feet and the river was so deep you could not walk across it. It, 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 it was deep enough to swim, but too deep to walk through. I'm out there trying to get my, my, my treble hook off that rock. And I get up to my ankles. I feel safe. I'm okay. I, I'm in control, baby. 
I need to go out just a little bit farther. I'm up to my knees. I'm starting to think, well, gosh, it got deep really quick. I, I wonder how much farther I've got to go out before I, I lose control. I get out there another step, and I'm out in my waist, and I say, okay, grab a hold of me because I don't want to lose control of my life. Another step. And it's over my head, and there's a current, and I can't stop it. I can kind of swim with it, but I can't change the direction. I'm not strong enough. This thing's a river. There's a whole lesson in there how Christians want to live their lives. And that's one of the reasons, guys, so you know, we don't, we not, we're not in the river swimming on Sunday morning because this service is for people who, who, who aren't comfortable with God, who don't know God, who need to return to God to come in and feel safe. But we're going to have a river service tonight. We're going to swim it tonight. Amen. He said, the, the, the angel said, have you been watching, son of man? He, he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on the side of the river. You know it's living water because everything that was on the side of it was producing something. Then he said, the river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Along the Jordan there. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. Verse 9, there will be swarms of living, living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for, for the waters will be fresh. Life will flourish wherever the water flows. Are you kidding? Picture this. This river is coming into the Dead Sea and where it is flowing in the Dead Sea where there's movement coming out, there's, there's fish. There's life. But where that flow begins to ebb, where that flow begins to slow, the water is salty and the fish can't go. The life can't exist. So, so it's that flow that causes the, the, the toxicity of that water to become living and alive. And guys, please hear me. We're to be a river of living water. Why are we trying to change people's conduct without breathing life into them? Why are we telling them this is what you should do and what you should do when what they need is the life of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the faith of God that is supposed to be flowing through us. That will promote the change. That will cause something that is dead to come to life. That will cause something that is dark to become light. That is called. That will cause something that needs to be resurrected to live again. Verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. Fruit trees are a result of having the river flow through you. When the river gets dammed up, there's no fruit trees. There's no fish. There's no life. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's about living by the power of God. Maybe a little more life flowing into somebody and a little less effort at trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be a result of the river flowing through us. They're watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit, the fruit on these trees of your life will be food and the leaves for healing. It doesn't do any good to resurrect the dead if they don't get healed because they're just going to die again. The, the life of God flowing through us should produce love, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. Why? 
so that people could be healed and they can receive the Holy Spirit. They could receive the very life and the nature of God. The, the, the healing will produce a vessel that could become a bubbling fountain, eventually become the river that God intended each and every one of us to be a source of. I'm going to do this. One of the foundational revelations of my life happened when I was 19 years old. It was after my 19th birthday, and so guess what? Back then, you could drink. Praise the Lord. So I, I went up, uh, got a friend on a Sunday night. We went up to this place called Thumbs Up in Ames, and I think it was a dollar pitcher and a dime draw. My goodness. And, and we were going to have a few beers. My brother had sent me a tape. My brother had sent me a tape. It was uh, Petra. One of them was Petra, and the other one was Amy Grant, El Shaddai. And I remember I went to, the, I went to that, that bar and I just couldn't stay. Something was changing in my life. And, and I came back to my room and, and I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I opened up the word of God, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And as I read verse 35 through 37, it says, Jesus looked on the, the, the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and they were confused. And as I read that, the pages of my Bible just kind of turned into a vision. And I could see Jesus looking out on this multitude of people, probably more than what he was in Matthew chapter 9. And then he looked back toward me because I was amongst his disciples. And I could see in his eyes the need. They were harassed and confused. And so Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And I, you know, I'm, I, later I'm thinking, why do you say that? Because he's Jesus. Well, Jesus could only touch so many people. He could only, he could only pray for so many people. He had, he had physical limitations. He couldn't reach them all. He couldn't touch them all. He, he was the only river of life on the earth at that time. And so what Jesus was praying is that we would become rivers of life, rivers of living water, so we could touch that, that, that mass of people. And in the word of God, when you see the word sea, that usually represents the sea of humanity, especially the dead sea. And everywhere that you go... There should be this stream flowing out of you into the dead sea of humanity. And so where you are, where you're at, where you have influence, there should be life teeming all around it. The dead becoming alive. Not because of your faith, but because of the water. What's in the water? You know, Peter had so much, he understood this. He walked with Jesus and after, after the resurrection and the day of Pentecost, that river began to flow out of him and, and he had so much of it that the Bible says that when people came within the distance of his shadow, that they would get healed because power was coming out from him. Jesus always, he had the river flowing out of him. People knew it. They could feel it. They could sense it. That's why the woman of the issue of blood reached out and touched him and power came through. She felt it. He knew that it, that it pulled out of him. They said the power was present to heal and he would release it with a word. He would release it with a touch. He would release it with a command. That power that was coming out of him. Paul understood that. He didn't walk with Jesus, but he got it through revelation. And, and he had so much of that anointing flowing through him, that, that river of life flowing out of him, that when he, when, when he was preaching and teaching, people would come up and get handkerchiefs and aprons and things that, that were on him, uh, cloth. And they would use those because it stored that power and that life of God, a wet cloth. And they would lay that 
on the sick and demons would be cast out and people would be healed. Smith Wigglesworth at the turn of the century was a man who, who understood this river flowing through. And I, there's one, I remember there's one particular story where he got onto a train and, and he, he, the power of God was present with him. And people in the car on that train fell to their knees. And one man cried out, man of God, the presence of God that is with you convicts me of my sin. That's a long ways from just being a bubbling brook. That's a long ways from just being that crude oil bubbling up because Jed shot it with a rifle. It has to do with capacity. It has to do with, with exposing your life to the gifts that God has given to, to teach and to build you up and to perfect you. I'm stretching you right now. I'm stretching you right now. We've made Christianity so natural. It's not to be natural alone. It's, so, it's supposed to be spiritual with the natural. That's what makes it supernatural. We should have something in our lives that people say, there's something on the inside of you. I wish was on the inside of me. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And what did he do? He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus died on that cross so he could prepare you, so he could pay for your sins, so he could anoint you with that same power, not an anointing that was going to leave, but an anointing that would abide or stay within you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Yes, you do some natural things, but that river is flowing out of you. That river is creating an avenue. That river is creating life wherever it flows. What's in the water? First thing is the experience of heaven. What's in that water that Jesus said, if you'd ask me and I gave you a drink? It's the vitality of heaven. What's in that, that water? It's the power of heaven it's the power to love others into the kingdom of God it's the power for us to bridge the gap between them and between God it is the power to be a witness it is the power to love others as God loves it's the power to lead them to Jesus in a supernatural way it is the power to teach them how to follow him in a supernatural way it is to love lead and teach the power of God is so that you could become that river you could become that source where it's not just one river anymore but all of the disciples of Jesus have a river flowing out of them to reach into the dead sea of humanity three things that this power is it's in the what's in the water. It's the power of heaven. It's the healing of God. And it's the experience of heaven. What do you, what do you mean? The ability of God. The healing and deliverance. The, the, the bond breaking power of God. And the experience of heaven. That last one is big. When you pray for somebody, when you love on somebody, they will say, I, I don't know what that is, but I feel better. I don't know what just happened, but I, I feel at peace. I remember one time when we were uh, ministering in the mountains in Panama at a drug rehabilitation center and had cast a demon out of this guy, quite a traumatic experience. And he got up and he said to us in Spanish, it's like, like I feel 60 pounds lighter. The heaviness is gone. That's the experience of heaven. You, you remember when I said you bridge the gap between the lost and the dying world, the Dead Sea and heaven? See, you're letting heaven flow 
through you to them. They can't get to God unless it's through Jesus. You're the body of Christ. You can bring God to them. The power of heaven, the healing of God, the atmosphere of eternity. That's what's in the water. Guys, this is, this is a message we've got to get revived in our hearts and in the body. The very first sermon, Peter ends it in Acts chapter 2. Very first sermon for salvation, Peter says in Acts 2.38. Each of you must repent of your sins. Turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's where we stop. All of that takes place so you could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because the kingdom that Jesus said, he said, it's here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. It's this. It's not talking about him. It's living out of his power. I'm not trying to trip you up and, and, and get you into the place of, you know, initiating miracles. What I believe God wants to see today for you and for those of you who are joining us online is that you're in a place of contentment because you're not trying to get something different from God. You're trying to let him flow through you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father calls your spirit to well up within us. Strengthen each and every person. The sound of my voice right now. In their inner man with your spirit. Give them the spiritual ability to begin to understand oh, what's available to them, the same power that raised your son from the dead. Living in them. Let, let our trickles become streams. Let our, let our streams become tributaries. Let our tributaries become rivers powerful enough to change entire communities. But Father, today just start in our hearts and in our families. With your eyes closed right now, if, if you need to come back to Jesus this morning or you need to make him the, nor, the, the Lord of your life, if you're watching with us right now and you need to commit yourself to Jesus so that river will flow through you in a greater capacity and I count to three I just want you to, to lift up your hand even though I can't see you I want you to lift up your hand if that's you one two three amen now repeat this prayer with me dear Heavenly Father I do believe in your son Jesus he died for me. You raised him to life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let it bubble up within me and become a river. For those of you that have a great relationship with God and you want to see that power increase in you, that capacity increase with you, I want to pray for you, but I want you to just lift up your hand and let me know that's you that I'm going to be praying for. Or acknowledge it right there on the yes, 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 yes. Rivers of living water, rivers of living water, rivers of living water. Heavenly Father, these aren't just words. This is a petition. This is a request. This is something I know you honor. 
If there are things that are blocking the flow, if there are things that are restricting the flow of your spirit being released from us, please remove those. Show us what we have to do, but your mercy and your grace are superior. Do that for us, Father, so that your, your spirit would flow out of us and we could bring life to people, contentment to people, the atmosphere of heaven, the healing power that raised your son from the dead. Thank you, Jesus.